All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 46 of the Yellow Card Podcast, presented to you by Couch Guy Sports and brought to you by Exo Gun. With you, as always, your host, Diego Galvez, joined by Chris Jones, Andrew Fasciano. It is a beautiful Sunday morning here in Boston. Fellas, how are we doing? Uh, hopping off the lug. How are you? Yeah. <laughs> We're hanging in there. Yeah, no, we um, we've had some strange stuff going on in the in the air and atmosphere. I mean, just two weeks ago, we were uh, smoked up by the West Coast fires happening, and now we got all this pollen. One day it rains, one day it's super sunny. Just can't seem to uh, get it all together, so it's messing with everyone's health. But remember, take care of yourself. If you're out there, get yourself vaccinated already. Just get yourself vaccinated. Let's get out of this pandemic. And let's enjoy some beautiful football. Speaking of football, we got a heavy loaded episode this week as major breaking news happening in the world of soccer that has shaken the core of the beautiful game in itself. Lionel Messi leaving Barcelona. We're going to start off with this conversation right now. Lionel Messi leaving Barcelona due to financial troubles that Barcelona is dealing with. Unfortunately, the contract could not get worked up. A lot of Reactions are happening. Which one of you guys wants to go first? Andrew. All right. Um, Andrew, all right. Perfect. I I mean, I think without a doubt, it's one of the biggest football slash soccer stories in, the, in recent memory. When you have a player who is ranked among the all-time greats, who has done so much for one club for so long, just leaving all of a sudden. I mean, there had been speculation dating back a couple years, I guess, at this point that Messi maybe wanted out, but it always seemed like things got resolved and it was more of a negotiation tactic. Um, and it seemed like they were on the same page. And I think that's what both the club and Messi have said at this point is that they both wanted to get this deal done. But unfortunately, because of the the wage bill salary cap that La Liga has implemented, it wasn't financially possible to get it done. Um, and in some ways, I think it's a real shame because a player as great as Messi shouldn't really have his, his fate taken out of his hands like that, I think. But on the other hand, I think it's sort of a, a reminder of two things, in my opinion. First off, some of the contracts Barcelona have signed in recent years have just been absolutely horrific and they're paying the price for that right now. Um, and then number two, I think it's a part of a larger trend that's sort of showing everyone just how financially unstable modern football is right now, I think. I mean, if you look at what's happening in La Liga with Barcelona, if you look at Inter Milan as well, I think is a prime example having won the title just last season and now having to sell pretty much anyone they can get an offer on because they're in so much financial trouble. Um, I'm sure the pandemic has contributed to it to at least some degree, but I think it's kind of a, it's a, it's a cycle of all this crazy amount of money that's being pumped into the business. And it seemed like it wasn't very sustainable. And I think we're starting to see, some some clubs who have been at the forefront start to pay the price for that right now. And I definitely agree. I just think 
that their main focus this um, in this summer transfer window was to get Memphis Depay to play alongside Lionel Messi. They pay for Memphis Depay, and then you you, you get Messi to uh, quote unquote um, take a fifty percent pay cut in his weekly wage for for a five year deal to stay with you know his boyhood club, mm-hmm. and they also brought in Sergio Aguero as well. So they have some talent still up front, but they have guys that they're paying way too much money. For starters, yeah. they're still paying uh, Felipe Coutinho. Move him on. They're already looking to move on from uh, Merlano Panic, who they did their uh, they transfer swap for uh, for Arthur as well. Um, they're still paying uh, – they're paying Usman Dembele a huge, huge contract. He's – I believe he's – he got hurt in uh, the Euros, so he's still out. You still got Anzu Fati that's – this young up and comer, uh, still recovering from his injury as well. You also have Antoine Griezmann who you're paying, who just hasn't fit the bill that Ronald Coleman uh, wants in his um, in his squad. And then also in the back end, if you look at it, you know you still got Sergio Busquets that's making money. You got Frankie De Jong that's making money. You have uh, <clears throat> Samuel Umtiti. You have Jordi Alba. You have guys that are making some serious serious money here, and for them. It's just tough because obviously with the pandemic, every team is hitting differently. Uh, but Barcelona, to me, it's just <clears throat> all these moves they've made have kind of been for nothing because now I feel like they're about to go down a real dark path. I think that we like we were excited for La Liga because out of Atletico, Real, and Barcelona, you didn't know which one was going to win this year. Now I think it's just down to Real Madrid and Atletico to win the La Liga, in my opinion. All right. So now, now my turn. I, I got a mix of emotions with this. Um, number one is all these signings that that you Chris just mentioned, as well as as Andrew. It was desperational signings in the past three to four years by Barcelona, knowing damn well that this day was going to come. It was desperational moves to get to the top of the top, get as much as you could at Lionel Messi, and then if worse came to worse, hope for the best when it came to renewal time. After a financial audit done by Barcelona and independent Barcelona uh, contractors, it was it was clear that their financial situation was just not at the best. That, that is exactly what happens when you make these desperational contracts that just simply aren't going to work out. Uh, signing Antoine Griezmann after just a few good seasons with, with Atletico, I think, was a bit of a desperate move. Signing Miralem Pjanic after a good season with, with Juventus after not having proven himself further that he, could, that he should belong at a club like Barcelona. It was just desperational. Samuel Umtiti after, uh, after a good World Cup performance, like, you just signing him immediately. It was just a bunch of desperational moves. But then we, we've noticed that this trend is happening a lot around the world too. We've noticed Real Madrid too is in the situation where they're having to sell players as well to create some uh, funds. They just let go of Sergio Ramos. They let go of Rafael Varane. And they're now to their last draws of a generation that truly marked the best there was for the Spanish La Liga. Uh, it's down to Marcelo, it's down to Tony Cruz, and it's down, down to Luka Modric at this point right now. Uh, also Kareem Benzema, let's not forget about him. Uh, 
And then um, last but not least, I mean, it's it, it's a sad day for football. Honestly, it's a sad day for the league as well. The classicals are not going to be the same anymore, considering that you don't really have any other, any additional players to look up to. As soon as Ronaldo left, it was already weird. And now just that Lionel Messi is gone, it's definitely even more like, okay, it's just Barcelona versus Real Madrid. Because, yeah, in one, in one area, you have Vinicius Jr. still developing. It's still a young core to develop. And in another one, you have uh, Ansu Fati still developing. But it's not the same rivalry anymore. You don't have the components of Cristiano Ronaldo, Luka Modric, and, and Karim Benzema going head-to-head versus Lionel Messi, Neymar, and Suarez. It's not the same anymore. Uh, in terms of talent, it's not the same. It, it, it's all mediocre football that at this point is just not even – it, it's worth watching just for the development piece, but until a true, uh, a, a true rivalry develops, it's just no longer there. Yeah, you got Memphis Depay coming into Barcelona. That's great and all. The guy has developed himself. He has proven himself that he belongs in this club. But after that, what else do you got forward to look up to, right? Uh, in addition, now it's. It's kind of scary, too, because then you look at other clubs around the world, too. Borussia Dortmund having to let go of Jaden Sancho and trying their darnest to keep Erling Haaland. And so right now, Haaland is still a Borussia Dortmund player. But God forbid what happens this next couple of weeks. They still got a couple of weeks where things could happen and Chelsea or whoever could just sign Erling Haaland. It's it's over for Dortmund. Um you're looking at Inter Milan as as Andrew, Andrew noticed uh, noted earlier. Uh, you're looking at Paris Saint Germain too. Don't forget, yeah, they got they got a lot of money, but look at the talent that they also got, and look at the amount of money that they're paying for these people. You got about five to six different goalies still under contract with PSG that you're still dishing out money to, who are not even playing for your team anymore. Um, you, you got Alphonse uh, Areola, who's playing for, uh, who was playing for Fulham, I believe, last year. Um, you got you got other soccer players who are just still out on loan, and you paying them that money. It's, I, I get it. You want to create a powerhouse. You want to create an excellent club that everybody will fear. But at this point, you're not doing it in the smartest way possible. You're actually just wrecking things out for the game in itself. Um, Lastly, I mean, what a, what a career by Lionel Messi at Barcelona. This is actually something that um, I'm not a Barcelona fan by any means. I'm a Real Madrid fan, but when I heard the news, it, it truly saddened me because this is a this is a guy who, at the age of 13 years old, with a background of making jerseys for himself out of grocery bags, plastic grocery bags with the with the lining with the with the blue and white lining, he was making shirts for himself like this with his name on the back, playing in Rosario, Argentina, in one of the poorest neighborhoods out of Rosario. At 13 years old, somebody from Barcelona is scouting around Argentina, comes knocking on his door and says, we want to take you in for training at Barcelona. This guy at 13 years old changes his whole entire life. 21 years later with this club, the amount of accomplishment that this guy, that this guy got for a club that last year, actually two years ago, was by far the most untruthful club there ever was for somebody like him. 
this was the reason why this guy wanted to leave. Now this year, you have a true president who truly cares for the club, who, yeah, some people will say he rises to power because of his son, but in addition, Lionel Messi also had a lot to do there. Does, does it feel like Lionel Messi was utilized to be to have Laporta be chosen as the president? Absolutely. It truly does, especially now knowing that he's, that he's leaving because of financial troubles at Barcelona. However, this guy made it clear. After looking at all of the signings that they have made year after year and looking at all the money that they have to spend this year as well, it just doesn't add up. It doesn't matter how many ticket sales you have this year. It doesn't matter how much merchandise sales you have this year. You're still not going to be able to catch up to the contract that you need to offer Lionel Messi. And therefore, for the sustainability of the club moving forward for the next generations to come, you have to be sustainably, economically sustainably. That way, that way this club can live on longer. Because generally, generally speaking, I think we could see a major collapse coming to the Spanish La Liga where a serious club of it will have to declare bankruptcy because at this point, the money is just used ridiculously. It could be Real Madrid. It could be Atletico. It could be Valencia. Any of those guys. Even Real, even Barcelona. After this season, who knows? Maybe things won't go as well for them anymore because now they don't have Lionel Messi. They don't have somebody that attracts ticket sales for them as much as he did. At this point, yeah, you, you had a pandemic and whatnot, but there are several other teams that also went through the pandemic and that are spending money wisely. This comes down to more of anything, management and being conscious about your fan base and proving that you truly care about this club. And frankly, the last Barcelona president, he only cared for himself. And therefore, that's why Barcelona is in the situation that they are. Uh, it's it's happening. It's stressful. It's disappointing. Um, any any final comments? Um, on the Barcelona front of things, not really. Um, but I think <clears throat> what we should do is now we should discuss where he's going as it's been made official where Lionel Messi will be playing next year. Well, so so it's been it's been made official by let, let, let me just rephrase that a little bit. It's been made official that Lionel Messi has chosen PSG. However, the contract in itself has not been fully done nor, nor signed. So there's still some pending details, but Lionel Messi has chosen to go, to go to PSG. Now what a powerhouse PSG does have. They have, they have signed Gianluigi Donnarumma, who has been an incredible goalie, and we all know he's probably going to be or is already the number one goalie in the world. Yes, Jones. Fabrizio Romano said to join Paris Saint-Germain. Received the official contract today after talks since Thursday. Messi's ready to accept he'll sign once final details will be fixed. Right. So the contract's still being worked out, which is which is <clears throat> excellent. I'm glad that things are moving fast. Uh, so Gianluigi Donnarumma, which we all know, probably the best goalie in the world. In fact, maybe the, the, the best goalie in the world right now. Uh, Ashraf Hakimi signed as well, who's going to be a lethal power force for, for these guys out of the left wing. Uh, Sergio Ramos, who there's nothing else to say. It's just Sergio Ramos. <laughs> the name itself just works out for himself. Uh, you also got Jeannie Wijnaldum from Liverpool, who is, we know, has been a phenomenal talent for them. Uh, Lionel Messi now 
And Did you say Danilo Pereira? Danilo Pereira. I mean, it's <clears throat> this is just an incredible football team. The only thing that I will say, and I said it in an earlier uh, article that I wrote for Couch Guy Sports, if PSG fails to accomplish Champions League glory, at this point, your team is just cursed. It, it, there's nothing else to say. It, it's, it's just cursed. I wouldn't say cursed. I would say that, again, it's, it's one of those things where we talk about, you know, these teams just need a little bit to develop. And I think for PSG, I think, we need to give a big round of applause to PSG because not only did they bring in those six names, they brought in Ronaldo, Ramos, Donnarumma, and now probably, and more than likely, Lionel Messi, all on free transfers. So they're not paying their, their former clubs anything. They signed outright with PSG, which is a tremendous fee for them. Their biggest fee that they're, they're paying is for Hakimi, which they're paying 66, 66 mil. Other than that, I think PSG is the absolute winner of the summer transfer window so far, if you're looking at the whole European landscape. Yeah. And to go on top of it, one of the goalies you mentioned earlier, Ariola, who was at Fulham, that came back for his loan. He's now loaned on to – his loan now is going to West Ham. So he's been, he's been training with, with, with West Ham for the past uh, couple of weeks or week or so. Right. But my, my point previously is – you made all these great signings. You you've done some power moves and whatnot, but you still gonna take some. You gotta trim some other fat because you got way too many contracts laying around on loans and whatnot. And we know that all those loans, at one point, accrue some sort of interest. And who's paying that interest? Is it the loanee or is it PSG? Those are still not clear. And therefore, therefore, that is just far more, far more accruals that you put in into your book. That at the end of the day, once a financial audit comes across, things are probably just not going to line up. And that is exactly what happened to Barcelona. And that's why if you're PSG and you continue to do the smart things that you're doing right now with all these um, free agency signings that you have made, you got to trench all the fat and you got to do it sooner rather than later. Because God forbid that this Delta uh, variant gets even far more powerful. And God forbid that we have a secondary round of a pandemic mode. What is PSG going to do after that? The funding, yeah, it's it's phenomenal at PSG, but the, the money eventually runs up. We've gotten it proven by Real Madrid, who was for years the biggest powerhouse in the world. Now it's – if you tell me – if you're going to sit there and tell me that, that Real Madrid is still the biggest monetary powerhouse in the world, I'm going to probably tell you to go take a hike because at, at this point it, it's not happening. So uh, – but anyways – I've stressed out enough. I'm sad enough. And I am so stressed that I almost feel like I really need a massage. <laughs> like I, I, I need my power gun. I need my, my portable adjustable oh, recommended see? by the pros. When you said you needed a massage, you're getting ready to call Michelle for you. Be like, Hey, <laughs> can I help my boy out? No, man. She, she's, she's got her own things to worry about. I, I need my, I need my, my, my massage gun. So at this point, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to recommend you, please go to exogun.com and at the checkout, use the code CGS10. As I said earlier in this episode, this episode and this podcast <clears throat> is brought to you by the folks at Exogun, great friends of the network. Make sure to check them out one time, one time only. 
And make sure you use that discount code CGS10 for a 10% discount off of your order today. Moving on. Boys, the English Premier League, it's almost back. I can I, I, I can taste it. I can feel it in the air. I, I want to squeeze the English Premier League little lion emblem and be like, oh, you fluffy little thing. I got you. I got your back. I, I feel like I, I feel like listen, last year was so good. This year, I don't even know how to describe it. This year, like you see how you see how I have very little hair on my head. I feel like this year I might go bald because of the stress that the English Premier League is gonna bring on to me, not only by being a Manchester United fan, but just being a fan of football all in itself. I feel like there's so many unpredictable lines all together going on in this English Premier League. Chris, this is your segment. You came up with it. So take us on. Um, can I just get a wellness check on Andrew? I haven't heard or seen any facial expressions from him in the past 10 minutes. I'm hanging on. Still here. You alive? Are you yeah, alive? Still alive. Right, still alive. Perfect. Perfect. That's what we like to hear. Like All right. So in one of my Touch Guy Sports articles, I did Premier League predictions. So basically for the Premier League, we're going to be talking about how we see the table shaking up. <clears throat> so for starters, we're going to start with what we think the top four will look like and what we think the four teams that will be Champions League bound and the winner of the, the the table will be as well. Actually, you know what? Let's 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 reverse it. Actually, why don't we reverse it? Let's go from the ground up only because it will make it that much more better when we when we uh, announce who we think the, the league winner will be. Oh, um, all right. Sorry, I just uh, okay. a little su- uh, yeah, a little surprise rank coming up. That's all. All right, so. Let's do this. Okay. So, relegation. I'll start with Andrew here. Give me the three teams you think will be relegated in the 2021-2022 English Premier League campaign. Sure, yeah. So, the three teams that I currently have in the relegation zone prior to the season starting are Watford in 20th, Norwich, Norwich City in 19th, and Newcastle United in 18th. I think uh, Watford and Norwich are two newly promoted teams coming up. I think Norwich potentially could avoid relegation uh, if they approach things differently from the last time they were in the Premier League. They kind of got swamped that time and relegated. um, But I think they have a decent young core with guys like Todd Cantwell and Max Aarons. So if they if they take a bit more of a pr- pragmatic approach, I feel like they would have a chance. But Watford, I don't really see enough there to make it. And Newcastle, I think they've had a couple sort of close scrapes um, in recent years, and I just think this is the this is the season that they don't quite manage to hang on. <laughs> All right, so. Watford 20, Norwich 19, Newcastle 18? Yep. All right. Work. Perfect. Diego. All right. So I'm going to go with Brentford at 20th.
I'm going to go with Brighton and Hove and I'll be on at 19. And I'm going to go with Norwich City at 18. Any thought process behind it? Yeah. So Brentford, even though a very good young core coming out of uh, the secondary division of the Premier League, uh, yeah, you're coming up, doing well and whatnot. Unfortunately, with the amount of talent that there is this year in the English Premier League, you simply didn't do enough in this transfer window to get some 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 potential moves that will strengthen your core, and therefore you just are left out really weak against some of these teams. I mean, even Crystal Palace this year looks incredibly good with the uh, with the leadership of Patrick Vieira. Uh, at, at this point, I just feel bad for Brentford. They they fought back with everything they could to come back to the English Premier League. And unfortunately, this is just one of the toughest leagues right now to come back into. Uh, Brighton, Brighton and Hove Albion, they struggled last year to keep themselves out of, out of relegation. I think that the struggle will continue this year with some potential uh, larger issues ahead. And therefore, why I see them relegating. Um, and... Um, who did I just pick? Oh, Norwich. Uh, Norwich, yeah, unfortunately, great team and all, but I, I think it's basically the same exact thing as as uh, as Brentford. And I think, uh, even though you got a decent coach there with you, it a coach can only do so much, a coach can't actually be on the pitch playing right now for you, and so therefore, uh, YSC Norwich relegating as well. All right. Um, so for me, I have the 20th, I have Brentford. I agree with Diego there. Um, in 19, I have Watford. I agree with Andrew. I think Watford in that window just they've looked they looked great last year in the EFL, but I don't know how ready they are for this uh <clears throat> talented of an English Premier League. Uh, so I think they're gonna go down. I have them at nighttime at 19. And then I also agree with Diego. I think Brighton. This is the time. Last couple of seasons, I've, I've expected Brighton to go down. I think now is the time that we finally see them moving down. So I have Brighton finishing 18th and being the uh, last team relegated. Yep. So it's actually funny to me because I'm looking at this. And, you know, we each have two of the EFL teams going down. And then we have one staying up. But we all have a different team staying up, which which kind of excited about. Great for some uh, some good takes here. All right, let's move on. Let's move on to the tier. Still alive for 2022-2023. That is the three teams from 15 to 17 that have avoided relegation and are still alive for the English Premier League in the next campaign after this year. This time, I'm going to start with Diego. Diego, give me your still alive for 2022-2023. Sure. Um. Watford, Newcastle, and Burnley. Uh, Watford, I think they, while they don't have much to work with, they, every single time that they have played in the Premier League, they always put up a phenomenal fight. That is one of the teams that, like, whenever they come back up to the Premier League, it's one of the teams that I actually pay attention to 
uh, they just they they claw and claw and claw away at whatever they can in any opportunity that they can get, and therefore why I feel like they could be um, one of the teams that. Uh, and to do. All right, uh, you, you were did. frozen for a second, but you're back. Yeah, oh. you were frozen. I mean, so so here's the thing: you were frozen on our screen. You're the one that presses the record button, so you're probably just gonna see our faces. That's yeah, point. I was, so, I was like, so, I was like, are they pulling? Are they pulling a prank on me to act like they're frozen? Like, like that would be that, that would which, be the funniest thing of all time if we actually planned that. What all which, talking which honestly, like, I was talking, I was looking into the screen, and I'm like, okay, I'm just gonna start looking down because this is just getting awkward. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, so so Watford, they're one of those teams that are just so stingy every single time they come up to the Premier League, and they're actually fun to watch. Uh, it's one of the teams that, like, whenever they come up, I personally watch, even though I'm not a fan of them. And I actually think that this year, with fans being allowed in the stands, their fans always seem to carry a long way for that club. And therefore, I think that they managed to claw to stay in, but it's going to be like a dramatic way that they stay in. Uh, Newcastle, they still got some talent to work with. And yeah, even though I agree with some of what Andrew has said. They they have managed to to stay to stay afloat, uh, and I, and I think that this year they will they will do the same. Let's also keep in mind that the October window will also be open, and that is one of the teams that I actually see being very active in the October window. I think that there is a lot of contracts that they have coming up in which they can do trades or whatnot, and therefore one one of the teams that I could see being uh, being active. Uh, and Burnley, I mean, Burnley was a pest last year for any top English Premier League club. They'll continue to be a pest this year. Majority of their uh, their roster stayed in the club. So, therefore, I think I think Burnley actually stays in, in English Premier League. So, I think my only take with Watford is I think they're going to kind of be like the Fulham from last year. Like, they're going to be a pest that basically anybody they play with, but I think that they're just going to be on the bad side of a bunch of games that are going to cost them the chance to stay in the Premier League next year. I think that's that's where I'm at with where I think Watford is for this year coming up. Yeah, I think, yeah, no, I think that's fair. I think for me, still alive, uh, 17, I have Crystal Palace. Um, they, they need to move Wilfred Zaha as soon as possible. He is being so wasted there. And... Um, they're just they're, – they're another team that I think is just that close to getting relegated. So either them or Brighton, I think, would be the pick there. I went more with Brighton because I think that they're that's the team that's uh, been hanging on by a thread these past couple of seasons. So I think that they're uh, – <clears throat> that, that Crystal Palace will stay alive for 2022. At 16, I have Southampton. I think them losing Danny Ings is, is a big loss for us. Uh, Huge. Before, before Danny Ings left, I had them in the middle of the pack. With Danny Ings leaving, I bumped them down uh, still alive. Um, I think they're good enough to still stay in the English Premier League, but I just think they're going to be uh, a bottom-of-the-table type of team. And then 15, Diego said it best. Uh, I have Burnley. Um, they're just solid defensively uh, with uh, Pope as their goaltender. He'll single, single-handedly, in my opinion, keep them in the Premier League as he'll uh, just continue to rack up the clean sheet after clean sheet for them. So my st- my still alive, I have Crystal Palace, Southampton, and Burnley from 17 to 15. Okay, so for me, in 17th place, I have Brentford. 
Now, the reason that I have that uh, is it seems that uh, in recent years, there's a trend where at least one team gets promoted and manages to stick around. And just based on the way that they're run off the fields, I feel like if there's a team out of the three getting promoted, they're the ones that are going to have the plan to make that happen. Now, I also, to be completely honest with you, I wouldn't be shocked if they end up getting relegated. I think they have a lot of player, a lot of very young players who aren't really proven in the Premier League level, but just based on how they're run off the field, I'm going out on a limb and giving them a chance to stay up. Um, then in 16th place, I have Burnley. I think Diego said it best when he called them a pest. They're a team that sort of thrives in the, the gross winter months when the fixtures are coming thick and fast and other teams are banged up and injured and don't really want to be there as much. Um, so I expect they've, they've gotten points at that point in the season for the past couple of years, and I don't really see any reason why it would be different this year. And then in 15th place, I have Brighton. Um, I think last year, if you want to look at the – I know expected goals is kind of a bit of a controversial statistic, but they consistently ranked very well in terms of that, where their expected goals indicated that they should have had – better results than they did so if if you buy into it and you think that things will sort of even out over time based on the statistics I, w- I think there's a chance that they could do decently well I think Graham Potter is a pretty good manager for them in the whole saga after Carlo Ancelotti left he was one of the managers that got thrown around a lot for Everton so I looked into him a bit and I was actually a lot more impressed by him than I would have been before I looked into him. So I like Brighton a little bit and I think they will stay up in 15th place. Of course, you know, it's good. Somewhat ties to everything. Of course, Andrew Lacey. <laughs> well, it's, it's not so much the ties to Everton as much as just like, I didn't realize really who Graham Potter is and what he's about. And I sort of like the vision that he has more than I thought I did, I guess, if that makes sense. I like it. All I right. like it. Middle of the pack. Now we're going to rattle off. We're just going to go one by one. So we're going to start with the, what team we think are going to finish 14th in the table. I'll start because both of you guys have this team way too low. Norwich City. I have Norwich City finishing at 14. This is this team is a whole lot better, in my opinion, than the team that we saw the last time they were in the Premier League a couple of years ago. I think they have some serious, serious, serious uh, potential to be the quote-unquote Cinderella team this year. I have them at 14 just because – Right now, I need to see them play at the Premier League before I can bump them up. They're not, in my opinion, they're not like Leeds of last year because Leeds was just a solid overall defensive team and would give you uh, trouble night in and night out. I just think Norwich has made some moves. They brought in Bailey Gilmore from Chelsea on loan. I think that's a great addition for them. And they still have Timu Kuki up front. I think, I think they're better than the teams that I have below them. And for me, I think Norwich has a realistic chance at being at least in the the 10 to 14 range for the entire season. Okay. Start with uh, Andrew. Give me your fourth. In 14th place, I have Wolves for this season. Uh, They were, I think they finished 13th maybe last year. So I have them in about the same spot. They've sort of turned over a new leaf with a new manager coming in after they got rid of Nuno. Um, but I kind of just sort of see them having a similar season. I think they're good enough to stay in the league, but I don't really think they're going to click well enough in this season to 
push up higher and challenge for Europe again. Diego? So in 14th place, I actually have Southampton. Uh, I think that even though letting <laughs> stupidly letting Danny Ings <laughs> walk away, like this is just beyond stupid. I, I don't know was- what Rob, I don't know what Rob has been doing here, but like at this point, I'm like, dude, what in the what in the hell are you doing? Like, did you like did you like fall against a wall? Like, what what happened to you? Uh, but somehow, some way. Southampton was also one of those teams last year. They started – actually, last year, they were probably the scariest team starting off at the, after the first seven games. They they held their lead. They were real good. They were very sharp to fight against with. Uh, I think this year they still got Theo Walcott on loan, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so, therefore, with Theo, with Theo at the helm, I – I'm a I'm a big Theo Walcott guy. I, I, I think he's a he's a big product. Just unfortunately, underdeveloped. Um, Permanent base is Theo Theo Walcott. Yeah, so I I think that they'll I think that they'll manage to uh to stay at fourteen. All right, thirteen. Um, I'll go. Okay. You guys have them a little bit lower, but again, I just think they're an absolute pest in everybody's side that they play. Uh, I have Newcastle at thirteen. I think, obviously, I, I there's potential that Norwich could finish higher than them, but I don't think Newcastle goes higher than 13. I think their ceiling is kind of there. Um, they do have some talent in the squad. I do like Callum Wilson and then Alan St. Maximine as well. But again, both of those guys could be sold in the October transfer window, and then we could be talking about this team being completely different. But for right now, with the team, the way it's constructed, I have Newcastle at 13. Nice. nice. Diego, you're up. At 13, I got Wolves. Uh, I'm ranking them higher this year because if they that's manage... Where they that's where they finished last year, was 13. Well, I have them ranking higher than you guys do this year. Uh, I haven't said Wolves yet. Okay, fine. Um, I have them... Okay, well, Mr. Technicalities. I have them ranked higher than Andrew does, okay? And the only reason I do that is because they haven't... They haven't lost Ruben Neves, which is going to be a big part of their midfield. If they manage to to keep him at the club, he's going to be a huge part of their midfield. In addition, though, they did do some really good signings this year. They have Jose Sa as a, as a new goalkeeper to them. Young guy, Portuguese, of course. I mean, if it's Wolves, it's got to be Portuguese. Uh, very good guy. Very, very active. Uh and has very good reflexes. I think he's actually going to be a really solid uh, keeper for them. But they also have John Rudy, and they also have Andreas on the guard, who is the Danish backup goalie for, uh, obviously, for Denmark. They they have good goalies uh, as well. On top of that, I really like that Leon, uh, Leander de Donker is going to be on there. John Moutinho is going to be on there. And they also have the American Owen Ob. Oh, that's a we who people just forget. Uh, I don't know why, Like he's really good, real sharp, very fast. They have coming back this year, Raul Jimenez, after a crack skull last year. I think having lost Raul Jimenez last year was probably the most lethal thing that they that they had to face because they didn't have anybody up front. Uh, Fabio Silva, well, this year will finally be able to develop fully with Raul Jimenez 
kind of being that mentor for him. And with that, Adama Traore as well being uh, another forward there, I think actually Wolves this year, if coached correctly, they'll have a fighting chance to be at number 13. Maybe even, I'll even say maybe even 10th. But this year, I'm just going to say they, they, they'll stay the same at 13. In 13th place, I have Southampton. So Diego and I had Southampton and Wolves in 14th and 13th, but just flip-flops in places. Um, I think the Danny Ings loss is undoubtedly a big one. But uh, like Diego said, when things were good for Southampton last season under Hassan Hoodle, they were really good. And I think that sort of defensively at least, the wheels sort of fell off when Yannick Vestergaard, the Danish international, got hurt. So if he can stay healthy, I think they can stay defensively solid and perform pretty well. I do have questions about where their goals are coming from without Ings. They still have time to maybe bring in some sort of a replacement for him, which I think would help a lot. But defensively, I think they're a solid team. So I have them in 13th. Uh, All right, 12. Diego, you're up. At 12, I have Crystal Palace. Um, What can I say? Number one, Crystal Palace is under new management, ladies and gentlemen, which I think this year we'll finally get to see a Wilfred Sahar re-energized and finally driven to get some results, maybe even claw as much as they can and Honestly, with some of the middle of the pack uh, guys that I have, in my opinion, I think they could even fight up to number nine. Uh, they have it's still a very young core in their team, and when you are when you have this young of a core versus some of the teams that are kind of going through their payroll and some of the aging factors in their in their lineup. I think this is where Crystal Palace can and will become an issue for a lot of teams. Uh, I'm ranking them at number 12. Realistically, I should really be ranking them at number nine, but I'm just going to run run safe for them and, and hope for the best for this new manager at, at Crystal Palace. Uh, Mr. Fasciano. I actually also have Crystal Palace at number 12. Whoa. Uh, and I would say outside of – You guys are weird. Yeah, we're, we're kind of on the same page these last three picks. I think along with Aston Villa, they're one of the two teams that I'm not necessarily a fan of that I'm most excited to see how they do this season because with Patrick Vieira coming in, I think they have a chance to sort of harness their youth a little bit better than they did under Roy Hodgson. All due respect to him, I think he did a pretty decent job with them and keeping them solid and in the Premier League for all the years that he did. But if you look up and down the lineup, just some of the young, talented players that Crystal Palace have, uh, like Mark Gahey, the 21-year-old center back, uh, Eberichi Eze, Michael Elise, and when you add into that, guys like Christian Benteke, Jordan Ayew, Wilf Saha, experienced guys who can get you goals and attack, uh, I think they potentially have a recipe for success this season. I think offensively they should be able to score against a lot of teams in this league. Uh, There's maybe a few more questions defensively, but I still think they have enough pieces, especially young pieces to have a pretty exciting season this year. So at number 12, myself, I have 
it's funny because if you're looking at my list, it's just a big diagonal for this team. Uh, Wolves. I think they'll be a, a, a step better with Raul Jimenez on the pitch, as, uh. especially if he can get back to form. I think the biggest hill they're going to have to climb this year is figuring out who is replacing uh, Patricio. Because him going to Roma, I think they need an immediate replacement. And to be honest with you, I, I don't like John Ruddy and I don't like Sondergaard for them as well. So them bringing in Saab might be a good option for them, but it also we have to wait and see, in my opinion. And also I think they're going to have um, – a, a giant distraction because there's going to be talks about Adama Traore leaving from October on. So that as well doesn't uh, bode well for me for Wolves. All right, let's move into number 11. I'm going to start with the man in the blue. So that's, that's Andrew. I rhymed a little bit. So, yeah. <laughs> and in 11th place, the man in the blue is picking the men in blue. I have my very own Everton football club in 11th place. Um, to be honest with you, in some ways, I have absolutely no idea what to expect from Everton this season. And I kind of slotted them just based on what I thought other teams would do a little bit more than making a prediction for them personally. I think that Everton's first six matches of the season will be absolutely vital in terms of determining how the season goes. Um, Rightly or wrongly, the reality is that if Rafa doesn't hit the ground running in the league, he's going to be in real trouble because patience for him is already pretty low. Uh, So in those first six matches, they have Southampton, Leeds, Brighton, Burnley, Aston Villa, and Norwich. So six teams that you want to be contending with and finishing above if you want to keep progressing and getting to the next level. So if they come out of the gate flying and do well against those six teams, I think there's every chance that the season could be a success at Everton. If they come out of the gate slow and struggle and lose a couple of those first matches, I think the negativity could be really, really dangerous around Everton, to be honest with you. Um, In terms of the squad, I think some of the additions we've made should be pretty helpful. I think Damari Gray and Andres Townsend are going to be decent players that give us a little bit more flexibility in terms of attack. Um, But the fact remains that we haven't really got the right back that we're looking for who knows whether or not that Denzel Dumfries move is ever going to happen, or if it's not viable financially, I'm not really sure at this point. Um, But yeah, I mean, I think we saw last season under Carlo that if the squad is at its very best, uh, Everton can play with some of the best teams in the league, but consistency week in and week out is a bit of an issue and we'll see how much of an issue that is this season. But for now, I have them in 11th place. All right. I think uh, I'll go here because I'm on the same boat as Andrea. Uh, The Rafa Benitez experiment is officially underway. Uh, I think them having not lost Calvert-Lewin or Richardson, I think, is, is, is big for them. I also think depending on the Moyes-Skeen situation, if you guys can bring him back to the fold, I think that's a good addition for you guys as well. Uh, I just think, for me, this, your season, you say it relies on Benitez. I think it relies on how well Jordan Pickford plays. 
if we see the way that if we see Jordan Pickford like he played in the Euros, I think this team has a chance to uh, shoot up into the top ten. But with the way that Pickford's played in the Premier League the last couple of years, I have him at eleven for this reason, and also for uh, other reasons. I think Rafa Benitez. I think. He'll be he'll be all right for Everton this season, but I think he's if he's anything like the Rafa Benitez of old, it's just going to be mediocre. All right, At number eleven, I have I have Leeds United. The reason I'm saying number eleven here, Leeds United rather than Everton, is because. This team is just not going to cut it. You got your two best, your, your three best people in this whole entire club are Elder Acosta, Rafinha, and uh, Calvin Phillips. Besides that, yeah, you got a good striker and Patrick Bamford, but maybe Rodrigo as well. But I, I feel like more... More needed to be done with this team during the offseason. Uh, you are you're riding with just two goalkeepers, uh, which is a, a, a big mistake there. Elia Messler could easily get a big injury, and then you, you're running off to Christopher Klaassen, who hasn't really had that many appearances at, at all. Uh, and quite frankly, I'm not sure how I feel about him. Uh, your defense, you gotta, you got actually, you got a solid defense. To be honest with you, I like Luke Ireland, I like Liam Cooper, I like Diego Llorente. Uh, but besides that, I don't know. I just, I, I feel like you're, you're fighting for that tenth or eleventh spot versus a very staffed English Premier League this year, uh, and therefore it's gonna be, it, it's gonna be the issue why. Leeds United won't won't go anywhere higher than number ten for me. Uh, who knows? We'll see. I mean, I, I'm a big Marcelo Bielsa guy. I love Marcelo. I think he's a great coach. Uh, in fact, I I actually wanted him to go to Everton because I think that's where he belongs. Uh, but with this team, I he he made something out of something last year. Who knows? Maybe this year he could impress. But for now, they're number eleven for me. Now. I zoned out for like 30 seconds. I know who you picked, but I zoned out and literally all I heard was like, it sounded like you were talking to Andrew and you were talking about Everton and you were naming guys that weren't on Everton. And I looked down and go, oh, no, it's not what he's talking about. No, no. All right. Number 10, me. Uh, they just lost Jack Grealish. They're bringing a guy like Danny Angs. I'm thinking Aston Bill is in the top 10 again this year. I think they've made some, some good moves. I think, uh, Danny Ings, Leon Bailey, and then they got uh, Axel Tinsley from um, Man United today on loan. I think it's big time for them. I think Villa finishes uh, top 10. Diego, we'll go with you because Andrew's um, dying. Yeah, I don't, I, we, we don't need him uh, dead just yet. Uh, Us two are too ugly for this. Yes. That's why we had a third chair. Andrew brings the sexiness up by at least five decimeters. Absolutely. Diego and myself. All right. So at number 10, I have Everton. Uh, I agree with you, Jordan Pickford. Take, I think if he's mentally uh, there. all composed and Rafa Benitez can give him that confidence, 
Jordan Pickford would be undoubtedly the best player in this whole entire roster. It's all, it's all a thing of confidence, though, for Jordan Pickford. And Rafa Benitez is just not one of those guys that oozes that type of uh, mentality when I think of a coach that can support a, a player the way that Jordan Pickford needs to be supported in this team. In addition, uh, I worry about your defense a lot because – it has changed year over year over year every single time. Now I wonder what are you going to do with Jerry Mina? I wonder what you're going to do with uh, Ben Godfrey. I wonder if Mason Holgate will have any involvement. Knowing, knowing Rafa Benitez, the defense is going to be very different. Uh, it's probably not going to be a lot of the same names, and, and therefore why I worry there. He Rafa Benitez is just one of those guys that isn't very good at defenses either. And this is where you guys will be heavily exposed. Secondary to that, midfield is questionable. I love Allen and I love Decorin. But besides that, if something happens to James Rodriguez, once again, you don't have a creative piece. Once again, Rafa Benitez fails to add, to add a creative piece. Yeah, you got Fabian Delft who continues to say, oh, this will be this will be another season that I would be great. Oh, yeah, no, I'll be great this season. Dude, you haven't been great in five seasons. Just shut up already. Uh, Andrew they, should accept, says, they should Andrew accept Shakespeare any said, no. bid for him, by the way. Like, if any club makes a bid for Fabian Delft, please accept that. Yeah, just like... <laughs> He's just done like, nothing just, positive just, at Everton. Just like, honestly, if I was Everton, I would have sold him to Brentford. I would have been like, here, give me, give me 100,000. That's it. Go ahead. Take it. I would take just, it. I would just, take it just to just, get him off the wage it. bill. Just, you know? Dude, exactly. Just get him free, off the I'll, I'll give you him for free. Please take him. We don't uh, want <laughs> Lastly, like, okay, you got Andrews Townsend from um, from Crystal Palace. That's a great addition. I just wonder how dynamically he will work with Richarlison and Dominic Calvert-Lewin, who play a faster-paced game that he does. I think he will actually struggle hardcore. And Rafa Benitez is another one of those guys that isn't good when keeping guys in shape. He's just not good. He either overworks them or underworks them, but never in between. It happened in Real Madrid. It's happened in Newcastle. It's happened anywhere he goes. It happened in Liverpool when he first started. I'm talking about that. He he overworked a bunch of the guys. And therefore, why it took a little bit for Liverpool to finally be successful under under his management. Uh, I just... I hope, and, and another, another thing is, we both know that we all know the past between James Rodriguez and Rafa Benitez. Yeah, it seems like they're willing to crush it and set it aside, but the game speaks for itself. Once the game starts happening and James Rodriguez starts going to the bench because Rafa Benitez didn't like how one pass was done, guys, it's game over for everything. The creativity is all gone. So, therefore, I don't know. I, I worry a lot about the. I worry about the mentality that Rafa Benitez has coming into this club. I wonder if he's going to take a step back and realize that he needs to let the players do their work or if he's just going to be the same maniac that he's been already and be just a controlling freak. So, realistically, Everton does have a good club, though. Andrew, would you like to give your 10th tenth, your tenth game before Diego finds another reason that could go wrong with Everton season again. <laughs> Sorry, I, I, I and, no. and I'm not, I'm not trying to harp into Everton by any means, but I'm being realistic, and I've seen Rafa yeah. Benitez manage before, and he is one of my least favorite coaches in the world. The kid's already scared enough. Stop scaring I mean, more. <laughs> frankly, my, I think 
my expectations are pretty low right now. Yeah. That's just the reality uh, of the situation. Like, there's a lot, there's a lot of negativity around the club right now. And I, I think unfortunately there's a chance that this could be a very tough season, but my 10th place team, Bastiano. come on, 10th place. Let's go. My 10th place team leads United. They finished what ninth last season, I think. So I have them taking one little step backwards, but I still think Marcelo Bielsa, when he's doing his thing, he can get the best out of them. Um, they, they just approach the game so differently to any other team in the league with how much they run. And I think it just gives them a little, little X factor that is just tough to solve. You don't solve that Leeds United puzzle like you solve the other teams in the league. Um, so regardless of who they have in there, in their squad, I think they have some very good players in there as well. Jack Harrison, I like a lot. I think he could have another good season. Um, but yeah, I just think as long as Marcelo is – doing his thing and clicking, I think they have a decent chance of being comfortably mid-table. That was beautiful music, by the way. That was just All right. that, that was just musical. So that concludes the middle of the pack. Let's move on to the, the quote-unquote, the contenders. The, the seven through nine spot that will uh, potentially contend for uh, Europa League spots next year. So uh, number nine. Actually, you know what? Let's just do all three together. So... We'll do Diego. Diego, go first. Give me a uh, nine through seven. All right. At number nine, Arsenal. At number eight, West Ham. And at number seven, Totten. Why am I saying Arsenal at number nine? I don't think Mikel Teta has what it takes to manage this team. You have a decent core. I just don't think you have what it takes to manage this team. You still haven't figured out what to do in the puzzle up front when you have Lacazette and Pierre Aubameyang. You haven't figured that out. It's been an issue that's been ongoing for years now since since you've been at that club and you haven't figured it out. Also, you sold Martin Odegaard, which was probably the single stupidest mistake you could have done. You need a hand to be to stay at your club. You need a hand to stay there. He was your creative piece. You don't have anything there. Uh, you uh, did sign. Mm-hmm. You did sign. You did sign Albert Sambi Sambi Laconga, which huge fan of. I think he's he's another great. Belgian coming up. I just don't think that when you have a midfielder like William, who's still incredibly like way below expectations at, at this club, and Lucas Torreira and, jo- and Joseph Willock, along with Lakonga, I, I just don't know how you're going to line up. And on top of that, what are you going to do with Martinelli? What are you going to do with Nicole, uh, Nicholas Pepe? I don't know. I think you have a decent core, but Mercator is just not the guy to figure this core out. And therefore, this could be the season where we, we, he might be actually the first manager to be sacked, to be honest with you. I think he could. Yikes. Yikes. Um, well, that's um, that's a, a big take uh, for me, who you know, I have Mikel Arthur winning Premier League manager of the season. <laughs> so, so I'm sorry, I'm sorry to crush your dreams, but I just, uh, uh, I don't know. It could go, but, it could go either way. I mean, if he I'll, succeeds, then that's wonderful. But I just, he didn't succeed last year. He needed Martino Odegaard. Martino Odegaard came into this team, revived the core there, and was able to give him that drive in the midfield to create an offensive game. Now you don't have him. Okay, you brought in Lokonga, but. I'll give I'll give my thoughts on Arsenal in just a moment, but I'll move into my contenders. At nine, I have Tottenham. There's just too many question marks with them. 
from top to bottom. Distractions off the pitcher is going to cost this team until they figure out what Harry Kane is doing moving forward. Uh, at 8-I West Ham, um, they were one of the more surprising stories last year. Uh, Declan Rice is a big reason why West Ham's defense was so great last year. Yeah. Um, I think they're going to continue to add. I think the winter transfer window is going to be the spot for them. And they're also playing in the Europa League this year. So I think that's going to cost them a little bit uh, when it comes to the Premier League. So I think they they finished at eighth. And at seventh, oh, guys, come on. Leeds United, man. we got to put some respect on the name. They were tough to even play against last year. VS's club from top to bottom. They just, they're just tough. They're tough. They're rough. They're great defensively. I think um, Messier, their 21-year-old goaltender, is going to take a big step forward this year. I think Patrick Manford's going to end up top five in goal scored for the league. I think they're going to continue to be one of the best defensive teams. I think they just fall short of the Europa League. I think they finished seventh this year. Okay. Passiano? All right. In ninth place, I have West Ham. Uh, I think they'll have another solid season under David Moyes. I think maybe not quite reach the highs that they hit last year, but top half of the table, mid table, I see them being pretty safe there. Uh, in eighth place, I have Aston Villa. Jack Grealish is a big loss, no doubt about it, but I think they've reinvested that money very, very well. They've brought in some really good players. I think Leon Bailey, Danny Ings, brought in some midfield help. Um, and I think they'll have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder, to be honest with you, with Grealish moving on for greener pastures, supposedly. Um, they're a team that I have had a lot of fun watching since they've been promoted to the Premier League, and I would like them to keep doing well. So I think they'll finish eighth. And then seventh, as of today, I have Tottenham in that seventh spot. Uh Depending on what happens with the Harry Kane situation, like you said, Chris, I would probably bump them down potentially a spot or two, depending on whether he stays or goes. Um, but I think Nuno Espirito Santo is not the flashiest name, but I think he could do a, a solid job at Tottenham. I think it's a good change of direction after the disaster that was the Mourinho experiment there. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll have to see how those questions end up because obviously Harry Kane's their biggest profile player. Um, so if he's gone, that is a big change and would hurt them. But as of right now, I have them in seventh place. All right. Let's move into the two teams that we think will qualify for the Europa League next season. I'll start just because I want to get the Arsenal this taste out of my friend Diego's mouth over there. At six, <laughs> <laughs> at six, at six, I'm going to go Leicester. Um, Brendan Rodgers has to kick himself over how the past two seasons have ended for them. They they were so good both the last few years, sitting top four the majority of the season, and then on the last day to just lose it. it stinks. Also, with, with names like James Madison and Yuri Tielemans potentially being on the move, uh, them contending for the Champions League might be out of the question this year. Uh, I think, don't get me wrong, Casper Schmeichel is good enough to keep this team in the top six, but uh, they could easily take the biggest drop of 2021, 2022, in my opinion. And then at five, I have Arsenal finishing at five. The big reason why I think this team – so when I wrote this, I said um, Artara needs to have this team better to go for a run this year, or he could easily be getting the paint stuff. I agree with you 100%. 
I just think this team is going to be sneaky good all year. They have nothing else to worry about this year. They don't have to worry about the Europa League. They have to worry about the Premier League. And I think when their mind is just set on the Premier League, I think they're going to be fantastic. Arsenal's biggest thing in the past couple of seasons is they've started off super, super slow, and they picked it up. If they can get off to a hot start, we've seen how well this team can play in the second half of the season. If they can, if they can get off to a hot start where they're, where they're sitting in either fifth or sixth place uh, at the midpoint of the season, I think they continue – and they'll stay in fifth place. And I think Arsenal will be playing Europa League football again next year. But I think five and six, Arsenal and Leicester City for me. Let's go with Andrew because I can see Diego's brain stewing with some insult that he wants to give me. Yeah, no, I, don't, so, I don't have an insult. Don't, don't worry. I, <laughs> I also have Arsenal and Leicester City in five and six, but I have Arsenal in sixth place. Um, I think that point that you made about the fact that their really one competition for the season is the Premier League is a key one. I think that Arsenal is a club that has had a lot of distractions around them. I think it's fair to say. And I feel like that sort of lack of secondary competitions may help with that a little bit. I also am a big fan of the Ben White move that they made. Uh, They had to pay a premium to get him, but I think he can help a lot with their center back pairing and sort of giving a a more regular center back pairing to find which one actually works for them uh on paper ben white and gabriel malaga's sounds pretty decent compared to what they've had in the past couple of years uh so i think that's an improvement for sure in an area that they definitely needed to improve in um and they have all sorts of flashy attacking talent lacazette obama yang pepe bukio saka as well I think we'll have a really big year this year. Um, so if they can put it together, there's no reason why they shouldn't be able to finish in the top six and qualify for Europa League. And then Leicester City, I have them in fifth place. In recent years, they've been the the gold standard for teams outside of the so-called big six or top six, whatever you want to call it. And I expect that to continue this season. Um, I don't really see them challenging the four teams that I think we'll probably all have in our top four, but I do sort of see them as the best of the rest. But to Chris's point, I do think it's another important year for Brendan Rogers. We need to see something besides that little downhill slide at the end of the season this year. And I think that some of the transfers they brought in with will help with that. I think they made some pretty impressive signings, um, Sumare from Lille is one in particular that I like, who I think will help a lot in midfield. Um, but yeah, I just think they're they're not quite in the top top tier of teams in the Premier League this season, but I think they're just about best of the rest, in my opinion. All right, Diego, let's go. All right, so <clears throat> at number six, I have Aston Villa. I think they have a huge chip on their shoulder. Yeah, they lost Jack Grealish, but it's clear the direction that this team is going, and it's clear the message that coach just sent. Yeah, we lost our boyhood uh, guy who grew up in this club. We got to move on. And the way that he delivered that we got to move on message was by bringing big names into this club and big help and experience into this club. Now you're looking at a club that has 
Emiliano Martinez, arguably one of the up-and-coming goalies in the world right now. You got Manny Cash in defense, Tyron Minks, who we saw how good Tyron Minks was in the Euro, Euro 2020, a solid center back. You got experience coming back into the club with Ashley Young, who honestly, he wasn't so bad at Inter Milan. It was time for him to move on from Manchester United, and now he's coming back into the English Premier League to compete again in Aston Villa. That is huge. You got a uh, a very young Axel Twonsebe who was just made the transfer on uh, th- this this week on loan. Axel Twonsebe is one of those guys that well developed very well at Aston Villa. It's going to be the example of Jesse Lingard developing at, at West Ham. I really see that coming. You got Douglas Luiz in midfield. You have Trezeguet. You got Nakamba, uh, which, by the way, Nakamba has the best name there is in the world. Marvelous. I mean, what a name. Marvelous. He, he better it's be a marvelous, marvelous name. It's yes. a marvelous man. Come on. Uh, I also love their uh, Emiliano Buendia. That was a huge signing for them out of Norwich City. He's going to be a major improvement into this club. Uh, I love their forward, Ollie Watkins. Uh, Leon Bailey, as we have mentioned, Danny Ings. I mean, this this team has a lot of components working really well. And on top of that, it's a very young core, but a very physical young core. And you got to need that physicality coming into this year, especially when you're playing teams right off the bat, like Manchester City, Manchester United, Leicester, Liverpool, and all those guys. You need to be physical and you need to outpace these guys in order to be able to be competitive against these guys. At number five, I have Leicester City. I agree with much of what's been said. Brendan Rodgers needs to get out of that funk of starting in the top four and then at last sliding down. I think, however, if Leicester City can manage to create some really good uh, acquisitions come the October window, I actually think that Leicester City, if they do that, they can actually be in the top four. The only reason they're not four for me is because there are a couple other teams that I think will do far better this year than Leicester City will this year. Uh, I I do think they still have a very good very good core. I agree with what Jones said. Casper Michael is going to keep them there in the fight. He's been a phenomenal goalie for them. And he he was a great goalie for them at, at, uh, in the Euro twenty twenty this year. He showed what his capabilities are with Denmark. Uh, I, I like Castagna. I like Pereira. I actually really like James Madison and Bertrand. Uh, I I think one that continues to be heavily under-talked is Hamza Shuhuri. He's been a phenomenal acquisition for them. Uh, I like Samori as well. I think that was a great signing for them. Uh, Kaleki Hinacho is going to be a huge thing for them as well. Jamie Vardy will probably have a chip on his shoulder. His, this will probably be the season where he's going to want to prove that, that his value is there uh, because who knows, maybe next year or the year after that, he could move on from Leicester city and move on much like Jack Grealish did out of West, out of, uh, out of Aston Villa. So uh, I, I think, I think the October window is the best opportunity for Leicester city to improve, but until they don't do that, I think they belong at number five. All right. Top four. Here we go. All right, friends. <sighs> I'll I'll start off. We're gonna go Jones, Diego, Andrew. Just how I have it written. 
At number four, I have the reigning champion, Manchester City, finishing number four. And here and, and here's why. Don't get me wrong. They look a lot better than they did last season. I understand that 100%. What's the focal point for Manchester City going to be this year? Champions League. That's right. You said it, Diego. I saw the look in your face. It's the only thing that Pep hasn't won with them. I don't think they really – winning their fourth title in the last five seasons would be a great feat. Don't get me wrong. But I think they're more focused on winning the Champions League this year. So I think we're going to see them go all out in the Champions League. And for some of their matches in the Premier League, I think they're going to struggle a little bit, especially when they play Chelsea, who's had their number over the past couple of seasons. So for me, I have City finishing at four because I truly, truly believe that they're going to focus heavily on Champions League rather than the Premier League this year. At three, I got Liverpool, plethora of injuries on the defense last year, still managed to finish in third. Um, they're going to be a, they're going to be a lot better than they were last year. Um, don't get me wrong, but the two teams I have ahead of them, I think, are just – they put themselves in positions to be much better than they, than they were a season ago. And I, I think that Liverpool's going to be a solid contender. I just don't see them going over the hump this season. At two, I'm Manchester United. This team – and Diego can agree with me 100% when I say this. this. This team will go as far as Ole Gunner will allow them to go. This team is too talented from top to bottom. They bring in a guy like Jaden Sancho to play with some of their offensive weapons up front. Then you bring in Rafael Varane, a fantastic center back that has been a part of so many championship-winning teams in his time at Real Madrid. You pair him up with Harry Maguire. I think it's a good pairing between them. They did all the right things in the summer transfer window. Now – Ole has to get him over the hump, and I just don't know truly if he can do that. Number one, you guessed it, the reigning Champions League champions, Chelsea FC, is going to win the Premier League this season. They've made – we were excited about – last year, we were excited about all the moves they made last year. I said they were a year away from winning the Premier League title. They win the Champions League last year after um, the Frank Lampard experiment. Didn't work with that team. They brought in Thomas Tuchel. It was a great addition for them. They just signed Romelu Lukaku, which is a fantastic signing for them. I think that just made this team that much dangerous. I think the Champions League was great last year for them. I think this Premier League title is going to be even better for them. I have Chelsea and Thomas Tuchel hosting up the trophy when it's all said and done. All right. And number four, I have Liverpool. Uh, I agree with much of what Jones actually said about his own team. Uh, which, which never happens, by the way. I want that on the record. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I do think that having uh, Virgil van Dijk is going to be huge for you guys. Uh, it's, a, it's great to have him back, but I think it's good to have him back on paper. And there's a big difference as to having him back on the pitch. I wonder if he will be the same exact player that we've seen before after this injury. I think we've seen a lot of players up to his level come back from this injury and not be the same. Uh, Actually have a lot of traumatic experiences right here. And those mind games go a long, long way. Not to brag about Colombia or anything here, but we all know how good Radamel Falcao was at Atletico Madrid. We all know that he was probably the most lethal 
striker at the time when it came to Spanish uh, La Liga. Once that injury happened, that guy was never the same. Never, ever, ever again. We, we saw when he came to Manchester United, he was always scared to even challenge for the ball. When he went to Galatasaray, it took him a long time to get comfortable again to go attack for the ball. Even when he played for the Colombian national team, he was scared to attack for the ball. I almost feel like the same exact thing is going to happen here for Virgil because he's going to be traumatized by this by this uh, injury. Not to say that it's not a traumatizing injury. I, I personally have had it, and I personally have never played the game the same before the, with the same drive that I had. I do think that adding Konate was a huge move and a very, very smart move here by Jurgen Klopp because then it, it helps to realize that if, okay, if Virgil's not up here, I can bring in Konate and put him into that position and allow him to do his thing and still not sacrifice as much as I need to sacrifice as you did last year when you had Kabak and all these other people that you brought in in the October window. Uh, I think your big issue, however, is it, it's definitely around the uh, your front. I mean, last year you couldn't figure out if you wanted Diogo Jota or Roberto Firmino over each other uh, when you did. Oh, I, I, no, I knew which one I wanted. Jurgen Klopp did not. I knew which one I wanted. <laughs> You knew, but I mean, at, at the same time, too, though, when Diogo Jota was given the opportunities, yikes. And then at Euro 2020, huge yikes. The guy was like, just just be the water boy, dude. You, you, can't, you can't mess up water. Uh, that, that's for Liverpool. I agree with Manchester City take, and I, and I will say this. I think for Manchester City, you are so talented right now that when you have this star-studded teams, they always fail because of one thing and one thing only, ego. And I don't think Pep Guardiola knows how to control ego in the locker room. Therefore, there will be a lot of issues in that locker room coming up. You have Jack Grealish with a huge ego of knowing that he's good enough. Yeah, he carries himself in a very humble manner. But when you're fighting Kevin De Bruyne versus Jack Grealish, who's going to be the most egotistic? Personally, for me, it's Kevin De Bruyne. But again, we'll we'll see how that works out. That's uh, a big day. Kevin De Bruyne has an ego. He does. He, he does, and we saw we saw it in Euro twenty twenty when he played for Belgium. He does. Uh, I think at number two, I'm going to go with Chelsea. I think their main focus this year is the Champions League. Uh, they build that team to be Champions League driven. And they build that team to be able to contend against Manchester City in the case that Manchester City makes it into the final of the Champions League. Uh, I like the Lukaku signing. I think him coming back is a wonderful thing for Stamford Bridge. Uh, I, I really like how Tuchel has managed this team. I just think that their vocal point is going back-to-back, going for Champions League. Uh, and then Manchester United... Probably at first, but to be quite honest, I agree with you. They'll probably end up at number two. I'm going with them at number first because I think that their sole focus this year is finally just getting that trophy again for English Premier League. They build a very good team with Jaden Sancho, Bruno Fernandes, oh. and all that around. I just think unless Ollie can get out of his fucking way. Andrew, can you believe this guy? 
Listen, uh, I got, you, I got. You got to back your team. I, I kind of like it, honestly. I got, I yeah, got every I reason. My team to a certain extent, but I got every reason to believe that this is the year that Manchester United could win the Premier League. I think look at looking at it in the perspective that Manchester City and Chelsea have both built their team around the Champions League. It is a distraction so, at this point. It I is a distraction so. at this point. If Chelsea build it around English Premier League, they're the clear winners. For me, they're the clear winners. There's, there's no other choice. But I really think that they're Champions League driven this year, and I think for the for the rightful reasons. But you got Angelo Conte. But they won the at, Champions League last year. Why wouldn't they be focusing on the Premier League? Is why wouldn't they, why wouldn't they want to go back to back? Do you fucking see the talent that that City has brought in? Did you see the talent that PSG has brought see, in? Those are two better teams already. Than but you do right you now. also see? Do you also see Overall. the talent that Chelsea's got? You guys, yeah, you're no, gonna sit I there. You're gonna sit there and tell me them winning the Premier League. But you're gonna sit there and tell me that Angolo Conte is probably not the best city M there is between those three. No, of course not. Okay, so then that is a big piece of that whole entire game when it comes to Champions League. If you have a good center defensive mid that can control the whole attacking game of things, I, it doesn't matter who you have in in the other team. That is a huge piece, and that is a huge distraction. And Golo Conte can make a lot happen here for Chelsea, especially when you have. And another thing too. And another thing too. Let's keep in mind when you look at the offense of Chelsea, they are by far the most physically built to attack any defense out of those three. You got Lukaku, who's a freaking truck and a half, coming at you. All right. Looks like Mark Henry. You you got a quick. Timo Werner. I love I love Romelu Lukaku so much. You, you got a, a very quick team, uh, Timo Werner. You got a sneaky, fast Kai Havertz. You got a very good Mason Mount. And on top of that, you have a very good Christian Pulisic who has shown the level of talent he's got. I'm sorry, but they are focused on Champions League and Champions League only. I agree. PSG. I think, I think you're wrong. I, I think the PSG foundation that they have going on is great. I think Manchester City has a great foundation. But I think overall... Those three teams are battling now for Champions League. I don't think they're focused on their, their on their center league. If they are focused, like I said, Chelsea will win it all. I agree with you. But I think the target this year for Manchester United is finally just getting one at least just, one sort of silver piece and getting the, the English Premier League. If if it's not the English Premier League, then it's probably I don't know, the fucking Carabao Cup. Just win something, Manchester United. Just win something. I don't care. Just win the Tootsie Roll Cup in for all I care. Just get just, something. It just feels like a giant cop out for, for me for, on your end, though, because you're saying no, that, that. But but I'll but say you're this. Saying, I'll so say you're this. saying that you think United's going to win the ta- win the league. But again, if Chelsea's main focus isn't that, then Chelsea's going to win this easily. Like it's because they're both really good teams this year, dude. They're both really good offensive pieces this year. And on top of that, this is the year where Ole Gunnar Solskjaer can finally change the lineup for Manchester United. We can finally see Manchester. Does he actually? Do you actually have faith? Can in you this man? can you let me finish? It'd be great. Do you actually have faith in this man? I have faith that this is the year where finally the players have been able to be so vocal enough that Ollie is starting to realize that he needs to listen more to the players rather than some dumbass glazer who can't, who doesn't even know what a football looks like to begin with. Okay, and not having to listen to to Edward where at least either. Now he can actually listen to the players and the players only. This is the year where you can finally see Manchester United playing a 4-3-3 formation, maybe even a 4-4-2 formation, going back to the days where they were actually a lethal force to be reckoned with rather than this 
4-3-1-2 formation or, or these other experiments that this chemist thinks that he can get away with that he can't get away with at all. This is the year that 4-3-3 actually does happen because you have Jaden Sancho, who is by far the most creative, technically driven uh, winger that is in the whole entire Premier League right now. The guy showed it at Borussia Dortmund. And the only reason Erling Haaland is Erling Haaland this year, this this time around is because of Jaden Sancho. And he and everybody knows that. Everybody knows that. When Jaden Sancho wasn't around for Borussia Dortmund, Borussia Dortmund shut down in, in the Champions League. It is what it is. Bruno Fernandez is a, an incredible creative piece in the midfield. And on top of that, you still have Paul Pogba. Whether he leaves or not, that's a that's an issue to be defined. But if he leaves, we still we still are in the in the hook for Cavaminga, for Ruben, for Ruben Neves. A bunch of other names that have been thrown around that still will be a great fit for this club. Creatively, Manchester United does have a very good core. And I can't just not give them the credit that they could potentially win the English Premier League this season. They have the potential to do it. Well, I think I think I'm gonna go off the record here when I say this real quick before I let Andrew uh finally finally talk amongst the two of us. Um is that I already called the Manchester United was going to win the Champions League before PSG signed the LMS and all that stuff. I'm going to stand by it. I think United, I think United gets the hardware this year, but I don't think it's the Premier League. I actually think it's they're going to win the Champions League this year. My honest opinion. United, United to win the Champions League. That is that's my prediction right now. Yes. If that happens, I will, I, I will call divorce and marry you instead. That? <laughs> that's it's all the record. Oh Jesus. <laughs> All right, like, like I now pronounce you Jones and Diego Andrew. Finally, yeah, uh, yeah. this is your this is your stage to talk, please. Uh, okay. Diego, Diego, mute ourselves, please. <laughs> well, in fourth place, I have Liverpool Liverpool Football Club. Uh, You're just a hater. <laughs> it, there's probably some truth to that, to be fair, but I just think that this season is a. I think they'll be comfortably in the top four, but I think this season is a little bit more about getting their house in order and figuring out where their big guys are after coming back from injury um, and sort of gelling together as a team again. And then maybe next season you look towards really making a real title challenge again. Um, I think they'll be in contention in the cups and champions league and top four. So I don't think it'll be a bad season for Liverpool. I just think there's a bit of a, maybe a growing process after so many injuries like that, that they had last season. Uh, in third place, I have Manchester United. Um, I think Jaden Sancho and Rafael Varane are two very scary additions. My question is, can Solskjaer go toe-to-toe with Tuchel and Pep over a 38-game season? And I'm not quite convinced that he can at this point in time. Maybe he can, and maybe he can prove me well, wrong. Well, neither can Rafa Benitez. I made no such claims. I agree with you on that one. <laughs> um, Sorry, we're laughing out. We're mad. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this has been a contentious episode. Uh, yeah, so I've, I've united in third. I think they'll push Chelsea and City, but I just see Chelsea and City having a little bit more of that X factor. I think United I just want to. A- I just want to remind you, too, that in the friendly, it wasn't so friendly, and we got four goals on your ass. I am not Ooh. saying that Everton are better than Manchester United. I'm just saying that Chelsea and City are, I think. You got me wild uh, up. Diego, you got me Diego, wild Diego, up. <laughs> Diego, Diego, don't forget, this is also the same kid that was barely excited when 
<laughs> Calvert-Lewin hit the, the header to tie, to tie the game I against know. Manchester United. I know. Jesus. All right. All right. Diggle, let's shop. Let this get finished. <laughs> Andrew, what do you have to do? Um, what an episode. <laughs> I, think, I think Manchester United have made very important strides in the right direction, and I think in the next couple of years, they'll be right back up at the top contending for titles. I just don't quite see it this season. And... As of August 8th, at this point in time, I have Manchester City in second place. Uh, Going back to the whole Harry Kane thing, if he ends up going there, I think I would reconsider. But as of right now, Romelu Lukaku at Chelsea swings the balance of the Premier League in their favor, in my opinion. That man is absolutely lethal. In my time watching Everton, I have never seen another player who can just pick up the ball and get you a goal out of nowhere like Lukaku can. I think he is a, an incredibly special combination of finishing, pace, strength, football IQ. I think he's a tremendous player, and I think now that he's coming back to the Premier League and sort of stepping up onto the biggest stage, he's going to get a lot more respect for being really in the top, top level of strikers in world football right now. Um, the other thing is, I think the only manager in the Premier League who's shown consistently recently that he can game plan for Pep and Man City is Thomas Tuchel. I mean, Chelsea beat City three straight times in three very important games down the stretch last season in the FA Cup, the Premier League, and the Champions League final. Um, they're okay. both... Bless you. They're both phenomenal managers. Uh, I'm not saying Tuchel's a better manager than Pep, but I think stylistically he showed that he has some pretty nice answers for the way that Manchester City wants to play last season. Uh, I think when Chelsea were on fire under Tuchel, really the one knock on them was that there were times when their attacking players didn't quite finish as clinically as you would have liked because they were so solid defensively so solid in midfield with guys like Conte and Jorginho. I think Romelu Lukaku coming in fixes that problem and gives them what they need to win the title as of right now. Again, that could potentially change if Man City bring in Harry Kane and get that centerpiece center forward to build around. But as of right now, with where the rosters are at, I think Lukaku gives Chelsea the edge. I'm, I'm, I'm just glad you, you've seen the light. That's all. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Romelu Lukaku, I think, is one of my favorite players. And I, I really think that him coming back to the Premier League right now is the right time for him to do that in his career. And I think he's going to open a lot of eyes in terms of just how talented he really is. Thank you. Thank you. I agree with you 100%. But I also thought that they were, they were going to win the title before they signed Lukaku anyways. But I think that's just an addition on top of it. Diego, did you have no. one final thing that you wanted to say? I don't like either one of you. Um. <laughs> <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. Hold, hold the fucking phone. I just said you guys are going to win the Champions League. And you're like, I don't like Elon you. <laughs> As a matter of fact, I'm, I'm currently looking at the Champions League odds, and I am, I'm going to go all in on – I'm going to go all in on Manchester United at this very moment, but I need to find the odds. We just talked earlier in the episode about spending wisely, and this is why Barcelona is failing. And this is what you do? 
Is this what you're doing? Yeah, you know. Listen, la- last but not least, we're, g- we're going to end this episode on a good note. Revolution. Four stars, baby. Four stars. Do Four. not sleep on the New England Revolution because we're coming for it. The quest for the cup is here, and we're Four. going for it. Four stars. Matt Turner, Tajan Buchanan, Carlos Gill, Gustavo Ball. Four stars, baby. Let's go. Revolution to the moon. With that said, it is episode 46 of the Yellow Card Podcast. Check us out on any platform out there, YouTube, Spotify, SoundCloud, you name it. We have it. Check us out on Twitter. Make sure that you're following Couch Guy Sports as well. And uh, sooner or later, we will be back on that Twitch channel because this year the emotions are going to be flying very very high the content is going to be phenomenal so be on the lookout for the twitch channel until then episode 46 is over we'll see you guys back for episode 47